Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. From the color and the drama to the sounds and the stories. World Football in Qatar is the podcast from the BBC World Service taking you behind the scenes of the World Cup. Throughout the tournaments, we're meeting the teams, their fans and the people in Qatar, capturing the stories and the passion of the nations who are making this competition so exciting. For a truly global take on the World Cup, just search for World Football in Qatar wherever you get your BBC podcasts. This is the World Business Report on the BBC World Service. And wherever you are in the world, I'm sure the World Cup matches have you hooked as well, with Japan now beating Germany just a few minutes ago and what many are calling a big World Cup upset. And closer home where I am in the UK, for many fans here, the upset is the breaking news that keeps coming out of the Premier League club. And this time is just a stone's throw away. In the Old Trafford, where I am in Salford, it's the Manchester United. First, the club announced that their star player Cristiano Ronaldo has left by mutual agreement. And then just before 10pm last night, a statement from the club's controversial owners, Avram and Joel Glazer, that the club's board of directors is considering all strategic alternatives, including new investment and also a sale or other transactions. So, what's the goalpost here? How much are they worth? Who could possibly shell out that money? And more importantly, how are fans feeling about it? We have you all covered here in this special edition of the World Business Report. And just because it was a sunny afternoon and uh, the stadium is just a walk away from where I am, I actually decided to go there and meet some fans there earlier. So, let's first listen to that. Uh, I am Danny Suara. I am from Indonesia. So, tell us what you've bought today, though. Uh, actually, I bought scarf and also a mug for my brother at Indonesia. And we could uh, enjoy the United playing together with this uh, stuff. Uh, you do know this comes at a time when Ronaldo has exited the team. You also have the owners of Manchester United contemplating a potential sale of the club. Yeah. What do you feel as a fan? Uh, I feel, maybe I feel very uh, happy about that because uh, I, uh, I hope that the new owner will be a very good success at the United. Yeah, what about you? You've come from Nigeria. This is your first time here in this stadium. Yeah, this is my first time. I'm happy, I'm sad, okay? Um, hopefully we'll get a better buy at this time around. Yeah, these American owners, why didn't you like them? I feel, and looking at, at the you know main rivals in the Premier League, Chelsea, Man City, the owners putting money, not take money out of the club. And when they need to get players that will take them back to glory, they get them trophies, they do that without you know thinking a, a second. But in United, 
they've not backed managers, they've not got the player personnel and we've been made a caricature, like in the Premier League, like it hurts seeing Man City win all the trophies and we don't get anything, so I was really displeased with them. And we're really excited for Manchester United fan because I hear today morning this is uh, later they have to sow, right? Another owner, but that's why today I come from here, I come from Singapore. Okay. You've come because what the report they may be selling the club. How do you feel about that? Uh, really, I don't know new owner who is this. Maybe good, maybe bad. All right, maybe good, maybe bad. That's the question. Charlotte Dunk, a football reporter for the Times newspaper here in the UK, is joining us to perhaps make sense of it and answer that. Charlotte, thank you. Before we get started, do you have an allegiance to the football clubs here? No, not personally, I don't. But I can understand why the news has gone down really well with a lot of the Manchester United supporters. A lot of them have been campaigning ever since the Glazers took over the club to get them out because they don't think they're the best people to own the club. So I can understand from their perspective why they're really happy to hear that news. And that's the that's the surprising thing, Charlotte, because it was a, a Glazer family who bought shares in Manchester United in 2003. It was just under 3%. Then there was a hostile takeover and it's been 17 years for them at the helm. Why have they alienated so many fans? I think they, the way they bought the club was through a leverage buyout. They didn't actually have the money themselves to buy the club. They saddled the club with a lot of debt. The club are still in that debt now. They've paid themselves dividends over the years. So they've took money out of the football club. You need to look at the state of the stadium. It needs a lot of investment. You can point towards the fact that they've bought a lot of players. They've play, paid sorry, a lot of money on salaries. But realistically, a lot of that money has come from the money that the club has earned itself. They're Manchester United. They're one of the biggest brands in the world. So they're self-serving in some parts. The Glazer family themselves actually haven't put any money into the football club. And I think a lot of the fans feel that they want owners who are going to invest and who are going to care. And I think if you interviewed a lot of fans, they'd agree that they haven't put any money in and also their view of it is that they don't really care about the football club. They care more about the commercial side and making money. Well, thanks so much, Charlotte, for joining us. And uh, let's also get in our next guest, Dan Plumley, lecturer in uh, sports finance at Sheffield Hallam University, who's going to be with me for the rest of the show as well, because uh, let's make some sense of this, Dan. Uh, The statement talks about sale or alternative investment by uh, the American owners of Manchester United Glazers. Now, uh, when they talk about sale, what are who are the potential buyers that you can think about who would be attracted to this club? Yeah, absolutely. This will be the question now on on everyone's lips. I think generally speaking, and and we can look, you know, look to the most recent takeover of Chelsea Football Club and the values of of what we're talking about. You know, this will be a a four billion pound at least. You would imagine that's the asking price. And when you start to talk about those figures, there's only really a handful of people in the world that, that can afford that kind of money. And we've seen with Chelsea, it's a, you know an American consortium, uh, lots of different players involved in that, hedge funds, etc., with one person in that. So you look into the American market, maybe private equity type acquisition, or we've seen, as we've seen again with other clubs, you know, the Middle East, the, the most recent Saudi Arabian takeover of, of Newcastle United, We've seen rumours around um, the Indian billionaire with Liverpool who owns an IPL franchise. So I think you are looking to those three kind of key markets because, as I say, only a certain amount of people that can really afford that asking price for a, for a top-level football club in, in the big six in England. 
Well, absolutely. You're talking about Mukesh Ambani from India, uh, the billionaire who could afford this money. And that's also an interesting one, Dan, because we've seen uh, Manchester United, whose uh, who's, uh, sort of fan following is more than a billion often compared to uh, making this planet red. So it's not the Mars, but it's actually the red planet when you think about Manu fans. And they've actually been growing in Asia quite phenomenally. And uh, is that where you see the growth also for this uh, club from here on? And would um, an Asian billionaire contribute more towards uh, uh, sort of shining this club a bit more? Yeah, I think that's a really valid point. I think one thing that is certainly clear with the English Premier League and, and certainly Manchester United as, as one of the biggest clubs in, in that league and in the world still, they've managed to hold relatively high financial performance and, and hold their commercial value and actually grow at a time where their sporting performance has dipped versus their previous successes in, in years gone by. And, and what we then refer back to there, as you quite rightly say, is they've got a lot of fans in the UK and in and that have always followed the club, of course they have, but the growth market for English Premier League in general is international. And we've seen that with mm. broadcasting rights, uh, you know, the international rights now outstrip the domestic rights for the first time ever in terms of value. And it's those fans around the world that you're alluding to there that where the clubs are seeing real growth. And, and as an investment proposition, then we can start to see how, you know, despite success on the pitch having dipped over the last you know five to 10 years, they are still very much a, an attractive investment proposition. And the other thing that I think is also really important to mention within that is the amount of followers and fans they've got around the Absolutely. world is, is one thing. But these clubs don't come up for sale very often as well. So there's the exclusivity factor. And as I want well to talk important. to you about, absolutely, I want to talk to you about Liverpool as well. But before that, since we're on the topic of uh, Asian fans, let's go across to Malaysia, uh, where we are being joined by Raf. Yakub, he's president of My Man United, the official Malaysian fan association who's uh, joining us right now. Uh, Raf, uh, thank you. Can you first give us a sense of how big is this news for Malaysian fans when you're looking at possibly change of owners going ahead for Manchester United? Well, to be honest, that's like a blessing disgust because to hear two such a good news for us, Whereas first of all, of course, with Cristiano's news, well, it's somehow we knew that it's going to happen, but it's just that we're quite sad that it's going to split in this way. But anyhow, I believe that both parties can focus now. Ronaldo can focus on his World Cup and United can focus on finding a replacement for him. In terms of the club being up for sale, well, that's such a great news for us because that's what the fans want all these years. So I'm looking forward for that as well. But are you still going to follow Ronaldo, whichever team he may join? Will you still be uh, cheering for him? Yeah, definitely, because I've been following Cristiano Curia since he was in Sporting Lisbon. So now that he's going to leave United, so wherever he is, I'm still going to support him. And what sure. if he has a match against uh, Manchester United? Your loyalties are divided then. Say again? What if there's a match against Manchester United and Ronaldo is playing on the other side? Your loyalties are divided then. <laughs> Uh, well, it happened before. I was at Old Trafford watching Juventus with United. Yeah. That time, I think Juventus won 1-0. So, well, we support the club for sure. But then, same time, we enjoy seeing Ronaldo playing. All right. Well, thank you so much for being with us, Raf, at the moment. But that's the question that many fans would be asking. Exit of Ronaldo. We're looking at almost 
500 million followers for Ronaldo at this time. And um, we do have Dan- uh, Dunker Plumley who's still with us. Uh, Dunker, could we get a sense of what this means? Uh, Ronaldo's exit without Ronaldo. Will the club's valuation be hit? Because Forbes most recently talked about the club's valuation being at $4.6 billion. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, t- to be honest, I'd, kind of the Ronaldo issue, I'll, I'll answer that in, in separately in a minute. But to be honest, those valuations are um, actually in financial terms a little bit high anyway. I think if you look at some of the financial metrics, you would have some of these clubs and, and United are no different, you know, in and around the the 1 to 1.5 billion mark, but all the other things then factor into that Forbes valuation, which is the fans, the intangible, the history, um, the players and the brand association. And, and Ronaldo is, of course, has been a big part of that over the last 18 months or so. But I don't think Ronaldo leaving hurts that brand valuation to a high degree. I think okay. United, right. with or without Ronaldo, would still command a valuation a sale price of around let, let me get billion. let me get ben peppy who's a sports marketing and commercial specialist at gmw solicitors and he acts for a range of athletes and clubs and sponsorship and partnerships opportunities and uh, ben thank you for joining us with this news of ronaldo exit we've been talking about will this also somewhere impact the valuation of manchester united because our youngsters with the club or are they with the players as well and when you see Ronaldo's exit, I was just speaking to Raf from Malaysia. He will still be a Ronaldo fan. So does that hit the valuation that Manchester United uh, owners could be looking at? It's a very good point um, and one that's very pertinent to the modern day and in particular the younger generation. So as, as you rightly mentioned, a lot of younger audiences and other fans across the globe, they follow individuals, not teams. And we've seen that with Cristiano Ronaldo fans going from Real Madrid to Juventus to Manchester United and Lionel Messi with Barcelona to PSG. So I think it certainly has an impact on United's commercial revenue, so their direct sponsorship and partnership revenue. Whether it affects their um, their sale price is, is another matter. So there's a number of factors that need to be taken into account with regards to United's sale, that it will include the, the, the football club, um, so the on-pitch the on-pitch kind of direct results with regards to their participation in the Premier League and in Europe and domestic competitions. Then there's the infrastructure around the club, so the stadium um, and the training ground and so on. And then there's the commercial element, which is obviously the sponsorships, the partnerships, the global fan base of what's claimed to be over a billion followers. And there's no doubt that Cristiano Ronaldo leaving um, Will, will affect United's um, commercial kind of sponsorship viability, albeit not necessarily significantly in the short term, but particularly in the long term if results don't improve. So I think um, it will certainly have an impact on their kind of commercial and sponsorship revenue, whether it has an impact on their um, asset value. Well, I, that's I, that's I the point, think. Ben. How much of the sponsorship impact are you looking at? Because Adidas is one of the biggest sponsorship deals in the history that we've seen with the club. And now, uh, what kind of impact do you see on the sponsors when they are looking at a news where Manchester United, and uh, it's not the only club, you have Liverpool as well, which is looking for buyers. So where does it leave the sponsors then? Sure, well, it, it will certainly affect the bottom line initially. I mean, it's no coincidence that last year was Manchester United's worst season in Premier League history on record. 
But at the same time, the club became the most popular club on social media worldwide, ahead of even Barcelona and Real Madrid for the first time. And there's no coincidence that that also happened when Cristiano Ronaldo signed for the football club. So um, I think to split out the question, there'll, there'll be two factors at play. There'll be the current partners, and we know that um, Team Viewer, who the front of shirt partner, are kind of under pressure from current um, investors with regards to their United sponsorship. So they'll be looking at their contract, looking at their activation um, and and their, their kind of marketing plans that were aligned to not just United, but also utilising Ronaldo globally. And then in terms of new partners, they'll certainly be um, looking at the, the commercial and sponsorship viability of United to say, well, we know they're a very valuable sponsorship asset. We know they've got a huge following, but the likelihood is, is that globally losing someone like Cristiano Ronaldo, who's not just the most marketable athlete on the planet in a lot of countries, but also one of the most marketable people in the world. Yep. Um, so it will certainly affect um, initial sponsorship revenue, but there's a number of factors that dictate that, not just the players, but the on-pitch performance. But Ben, and, can I ask you about, before we let you go, what does it mean mm. for football clubs as a whole, as a business? I mean, when you look at Liverpool, when you look at um, Manchester United and Chelsea, of course, changing owners as well for a different reason altogether. But what does it uh, mean for football clubs doing business in a tough macroeconomic environment? You're looking at cost of living, high inflation, high interest rates and people's spending power also going down. So what does it mean uh, for uh, to be running a football business during this time? Yeah, well, it's, it's, it's a very interesting point and the, there are a number of factors and mar- market volatility is absolutely one of them when it comes to the, the valuation on football clubs. But you've see, likely seen um, the, the news overnight, both yesterday before the markets closed on the New York Stock Exchange and when it opened this morning, that United's valuation stock price was up by 16%. Um, so there are, there are certain factors at, at play within global markets. And as you say, the kind of the macroeconomic environment that will affect not just um, United, Liverpool, Chelsea in terms of sale price, but also in terms of the, the potential acquirers of those clubs. We've obviously seen that Roman Abramovich had to sell Chelsea because of um, geopolitical and, yeah. and other issues that were going on with Russia and Ukraine. Um, and obviously we've seen what's going on with regards to um, the, the FIFA World Cup being held in Qatar. So the, there are factors at play, but the reality is is that with a football asset and with a sports club asset, um, there are certain, um, in particular, to align to your point, macroeconomic factors that don't necessarily align to affecting share and sale price. Um, and that's because football is the global business that it is, and it sits in a in an economic um, environment where, re- kind of regardless of what, what, what is happening across the world, um, it's the most followed sport globally, and, and people right. continue to follow that. Right. Um, so... Well, you're going to be yeah, cheering be for the World one. Cup as well, I guess, Ben. You are the one yeah. who's, who's, who's there while doing his work is also cheering. But thank you so much, Ben Pepe, sports marketing commercial specialist at GMW Solicitor joining us. And as Ben was talking about the reaction uh, on the stock exchange for this news for Manchester United in New York Stock Exchange, where the stock is listed, we do have with us our market expert, Russ Mould, investment director at AJ Bell. So, uh, Russ, um, we've seen that the investors have actually uh, felt relieved, it seems, at the news with the stock going up. It was just floated in 2012. Before we get into the investor reaction from you, because 
little birdie tells me you also have uh, certain stakes in a footy club. But <laughs> <laughs> what do you think about football club owners listing football clubs and going to the public to ask for money to finance their debt and revenues? I, mean, I think that the debt is a key situation for these clubs. They have players to buy, to stay competitive, wages to pay, stadia to redevelop potentially. So they have some big outgoings. That is thought to be part of the process, the thought process of the Fenway Group who own Liverpool Football Club and the Glazers and Manchester United because they have big expenses to, to, to fund. When they're up against some, some investors who've probably got much deeper pockets than they have in terms of the Qataris or the Saudi Arabians at, say, Manchester City and, and Newcastle in England and then on the European stage, Paris and all of those other stellar clubs. But what also gets me is the way we see the Americans and uh, investors quite fascinated with the Premier League as well. You have uh, the American family who owned NFL franchise, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They have been also targeted uh, by uh, the fan protests since the takeover in June 2005 of a European uh, Premier League club. So do do we see that there are uh, American investors who would be coming forward? We've seen American billionaire and owner of Vegas Golden Knights, a Las Vegas-based NHL franchise, uh, showing interest in the Bournemouth uh, uh, proce- uh, sale as well. So do you see many Americans uh, coming up to participate in the sale? And what's the attraction? Chelsea has already been sold to an American-backed consortium. Yes. So that's definitely one example. And, it, and we already have American owners at, at, at Liverpool and Manchester, and there may be more, more looking. They are looking at you know, the, the expansion of these franchises, as the Americans would view them, as global marketing commodities. If you look at Manchester United, just 19% of their revenue now comes from match day, tickets and catering. Nearly half comes from commercial activity and the rest from broadcasting. So they'll be looking at that, taking these franchises global, just as the National Football League is doing in America with games in Munich and Mexico City and London. So they'll be looking at the financial potential of getting these brands further out there. And the, the Premier League is already a very, very wealthy league, I think it's the third highest rated league in the world in terms of television broadcast rights per match behind only the National Football League and the Indian Premier Cricket League. So there is guaranteed cash flow on the table there. And if you are looking to buy an asset, knowing that there is guaranteed cash flow for a certain period of time makes them very, but very attractive. That's the point. Is it a guaranteed cash flow as well? Because we still have uh, Dan Plumley with us. Um, Dan, uh, do we see that investing in football clubs although it could be a decision based on sentiments as well. We've had Sir Jim Ratcliffe, uh, the UK billionaire, who's been a United fan, who's previously also spoken to the Glazers to buy the club. Elon Musk talked about buying Manchester United in August. Don't ask me to go there. But uh, here's the point, Dan. Do we see that these clubs actually make money? We've seen the Super League, which couldn't really take off. And since the failed attempt to create this league, several clubs involved in this project have been sold or put up for sale. So is there a way these clubs make money? Yeah, I think there's a lot of things there that are really interesting. And I actually think the Super League is is potentially one of the reasons why the Glazers are uh, open to a sale at this point, because that seems to have been killed off for now. I think it will come back around. But, you know, talk about talk about predictability of revenues and recurring cash flows the american model of sport presents that in abundance because leagues are closed franchises know that they can't they're not at risk of sporting uh, relegation things like that so actually the model there which is what the glazers would have hoped for within this kind of super league model is more secure um the european football model is quite unique in the sense that sport 
to jeopardy is still a factor. With United, that principally means Champions League qualification or not. So they're well set in England and you wouldn't expect them to get relegated from the Premier League. But they might miss out on Champions League, which then has an impact of about £100 on the revenue line. And it's that factor there whereby I think the the motives of the owner become really interesting because you have to factor that in. And and there is money to be made in football. Um, United and Liverpool are two examples of clubs that have turned a profit in recent years. Of course, the pandemic has hit that, but they have been profitable in the past and there is money to be made there. But the risk, again, is with with the sport of jeopardy. And I think the European Super League and... And and all the players coming into the market with, you know, City's dominance in, in the Premier League over the road and Saudi Arabia takeover of Newcastle United might be some of the reasons, along with the Super League collapsing, that we're seeing the Glazers now kind of open to sell where they've potentially not been in the past. Hmm. Well, I have another fan with me. This one's from India in uh, the eastern city of Kolkata. Bijoti Kosh is joining me. Thanks for speaking to us. I know it's quite late there, so really appreciate you joining us. Um, I'm Thank just you so much. Thank you. I'm just fascinated, Bijoti, because I'm from India as well, and I know it's a oh, wow. country that loves cricket. We've all talked about cricket as a religion. How much of football, and since you are from Kolkata, um, how much of football is popular and what is the popularity of Manchester United there? Uh, so basically, like when I was growing up, uh, the one club name that I heard was Manchester United. And uh, in Kolkata, football is like huge. Right now, World Cup is going on throughout the city. We have flags waving, people painting their faces and uh, whatnot is happening throughout the city. So football is a huge thing in Kolkata. Um, We have even seen our grandmothers leave their cooking and come and watch the World Cup football or the club football. <laughs> wow. Well, of course, Kolkata is known for football clubs. But how are you seeing the news that is coming out right now where Manchester United could see an owner change? Ronaldo has exited the club. Uh, does it impact your loyalty towards the club at all? Uh, no, not at all. Because I have been always loyal to the club first and then the players, I would say. And uh, two big news is coming on one night. That was huge for the uh, club fans, for Ronaldo fans, everybody. And when it comes to buying uh, man new uh, T-shirts and when it comes to buying the merchandise, so you are pretty much on board to spend on it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, I had the previous season jersey. I have the wow. this season's jersey as well. So yeah, uh, buying stuff was never an issue like with, um, I would say, players. Because last season jersey I had of Rashford. This year I had one Ronaldo jersey as well. Because yes, of course, I started watching football with Ronaldo. Well, the colours may change there. But uh, uh, before we let you go, I know that there are football chants. Is there a clean chant that you can uh, talk, uh, that, it, that you can chant for us for Manchester United by clean? I mean, without any cuss words. Uh, it's always like glory, glory, man, you dined it for me because All that's right. the <laughs> ultimate thing. All righty. Uh, well, thank you so yeah, much. for doing. <laughs> Well, I, I wish you have a great football season. We've been uh, looking at the football here as well in uh, the UK. The World Cup has been um, pretty much, very much followed. But uh, Russ, uh, just before we let you go, who's the team that you are betting on for uh, this season for the World Cup? We've seen uh, Japan and Saudi Arabia in a, quite a bit of uh, upsets there in the World Cup history, as many, uh, many, many experts would call it. 
I'll be supporting England. And you, I think that's, oh. a, that's, as, that's as much as I can do, I think. And then if not England, then I'll support Wales. I know, they, I know they're in the same group and I'll be supporting England first, but if they don't do it, then more power to Wales in their first World Cup since 1958. And Dan, do we get to know which is your favourite team before we just close the show? Uh, yeah, of course. I would love to see England win a World Cup, but I think right. Brazil might win it, if I'm being honest. All right, we leave it there from the World Cup and the Premier League. All the details here on the World Business Report. Thank you so much for being with us. This is Devina Gupta. See you next time. Namaste. Hi, I'm Kalki Kekla and I am back for Season 3 of My Indian Life, the podcast that brings you real-life stories from young people living all across this vast land. So as a tribe, in our worldview, we are not mere part of nature, but we are nature. Each week, we take a walk in our guests' shoes, as they share their unique perspectives on living life in 21st century India. From the woman who works as a private investigator. Who else would you go to? You can't follow the person yourself because you'll be very visible to the eye. You can't go to the police because police's work is not this. So it's us. To the actress who has become a champion for body positivity. How often do girls who look like me get offered lead roles? So that was my main thing. I was like, I'm going to play this protagonist and I'm going to act the hell out of it. That's Kalki Presents My Indian Life from the BBC World Service. Just search for My Indian Life wherever you found this podcast. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware.